You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Beaverton Christian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at beaverton.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Well, good morning. We are so glad you're here to worship with us at Beaverton Christian Church. Today is the second week in our series called Found, and we're looking at three beautiful stories that Jesus tells that help us to understand that there's nobody God can't reach, nobody God won't use, and no place that God can't revive. And as we move through this series, we're joining together in 21 days of prayer. And we're praying that God would use us to help revitalize, reunite, and reconcile people who are far from him. And there's still 14 days left, and it's not too late to join us. If you'd like to jump in, you'll find the prayer guide available online at beaverton.cc. Now, these three stories come to us from the book of Luke. And Luke was an ancient researcher who investigated the life of Jesus through eyewitness interviews. And it gives us a detailed account of his life and teaching. Each of Jesus' three stories in this series is told as a response to conflict that Jesus was having with the religious authorities of his day. And here's why. Jesus was constantly being approached by people who were very far from God. And instead of sending them away, he made time for them, even eating and drinking with the most notorious of them. And when the religious leaders scolded him, he told them the first story about a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep he has in order to go find the one who's gotten lost. Jesus was describing how much he loves each of us and how far he's willing to go to rescue and bring us into an eternal relationship with him and his people. Now, even though he taught these leaders clearly, their hearts had been hardened against his message by their own pride and self-righteousness. So Jesus doubled down, telling them a story that was very similar, but had some subtle variations that are as instructive to us listening today as they were to the people who lived 2,000 years ago. Now, subtle changes can be a lot of fun. When I was a kid, we had a big book called Spot the Difference, and the picture on one page would be just a little bit different than on the other. And the goal was to find all the differences between the pictures. You might remember this book. I thought it would be fun to do one together and to see how many differences you could spot in just two minutes. Now, if you're watching at home, don't hit pause. Here's the picture. So how many did you find? Maybe you found one or maybe two, possibly three. Here's all 10 of the changes. And, and while there are 10 different changes going on in the pictures, these little changes, they don't really make the picture different. It's still the picture of a restaurant staff. And if you've seen one, you've basically seen them both. Subtle changes don't always change things. Sometimes they do. Let's take a look at just how one little change in punctuation of a sentence can really make a huge difference in what a sentence means. For instance, let's eat, grandma, or let's eat, grandma. That little comma makes a pretty huge difference right there, doesn't it? I mean, if I'm grandma, I run to the table, but I don't go anywhere near the kitchen. Now, look at what can happen when you make the subtle change of adding some commas right? Panda eats, shoots, and leaves. Or panda eats, shoots, and leaves. 
In one of these, the panda is having quite the buffet experience. And in the other, the panda is definitely not happy with the waitstaff. Subtle changes can make a big difference. And that's something we're going to see today in the story Jesus tells about something else that gets lost and God's response to it. Let's look at the story here in Luke 15, verse eight. Jesus says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? In this new story, the hero isn't a shepherd, but a housewife, which is interesting because in the last story, Jesus is comparing himself to a man who cares for animals. But in this one, he's comparing himself to a woman who maintains the order and structure of a family home. In an age of patriarchy, in front of an audience, Jesus is elevating the personhood and position of women. In last week's story, Jesus is explaining the work he does in rescuing and protecting the people who belong to him. And in this story, he's demonstrating how he maintains, restores, and pours his vitality into us his church. See, just like last week, something has again gone missing. But instead of a sheep, it's a coin. It would be like this one, minted from silver in a Greek or a Persian city. Now, as we dive into this story, I want you to notice two subtle shifts taking place here. The first is that the sheep was one of 99, but the coin, the coin is one of 10. The ratio is increasing And it's because Jesus is raising the stakes of the conversation. They wouldn't listen before, so he's taking it up a notch. The second subtle shift here is that the sheep had gone missing from outside the house in the wilderness. It was lost and it was far away. The coin though, the coin has been lost inside the house. The coin is in the house, but it's not where it belongs. It's not with the others and it needs to be reunited. Remember that Jesus is talking about coins to make a point about people. And people can be physically present, but very far away from us, can't they? You've experienced this, right? Maybe you're talking to someone, maybe it's your mom or your dad, your friend or a spouse, and they're in the room with you, but they aren't looking at you. Their eyes are on their phone. And you can tell they're more into what they're looking at than what you're saying to them. They're there, but they're not all there. Maybe you've gotten into the car to drive home and a song from high school comes on and you're remembering your first disc man and how you joined the Columbia House CD club. And the next thing you know, you're pulling up into the driveway and you don't remember any of the drive. Your body got home, but your mind was someplace else. Maybe you're in an important class or meeting and you know they're going to ask a question at any minute, but you can't stop thinking about the argument that happened that morning and you're lost on how to solve it because it seems so hopeless. And suddenly it's gotten really quiet and you realize everyone is waiting for you to answer a question you never heard. Maybe you're teamed up with a bunch of friends online and you're about to crush your enemies and then suddenly a parent appears in your room and they're screaming unreasonably about something and it makes no sense. And then they point at the clock and you realize it's time to go to school, but you never went to bed. (laughs) In these moments, we are physically present, but we are far, far away, aren't we? It can be like this in our relationship with God too. We can be physically present in the right spaces, dressed in the right clothes, knowing the right responses and doctrines, and in our hearts be very far from God because something else has grabbed our focus and motivation. 
Maybe we're even questioning whether or not we still believe. Maybe we still believe, but this little light of mine doesn't shine so bright right now. We're in the house, but we're lost. Outwardly, we might look fine, but inwardly, we need to be revived. Jesus wants us to understand that some of the things that get lost are right there in the house or the church or the family with us, but we don't see them. They're right there with us and we don't see them. Fears, pains, and anxieties, what the Bible calls the cares of the world, they don't have boundaries and they come looking for us no matter where we are. And without vigilance, they drag our hearts and our minds far away from Jesus and his peace. If we don't understand this, we'll overlook people thinking they're fine. And we'll get lost and wonder if anyone out there really cares at all. So what does this woman do about this lost coin? Well, if we look into it, we'll see how Jesus responds to us when we find ourselves lost like this and how we can reach out to others in similar situations. Jesus says, won't she go searching? She's doing what she and any other person would do in her situation when they see a problem that needs to be addressed. They're pursuing people lost within the house. And that's something that Jesus describes as expected behavior, not exceptional behavior. Jesus goes searching for people who are lost inside the house, just like those who are lost outside the house. And he expects that we'll do the same. And here's how. Jesus describes what she does in three steps. First, she lights a lamp. Next, she sweeps the entire house. And then she searches carefully until she finds it. See, in order to find the missing coin, she engages in costly behavior. Lighting the lamp means burning oil, and that's a financial expense. It also demonstrates that she isn't going to wait until morning to go looking. She acts in a way that is immediate. There's an urgency to her search for the missing coin that demonstrates that she cares. Now, sweeping the house is an energy expense. It means giving up her own rest in order to engage. And it demonstrates that she's being deliberate. She isn't just going to go about her business and hope that she bumps into the coin. She's getting intentional. And finally, Jesus says that she is searching until she finds it. This is a time expenditure. She's demonstrating what's important to her by sacrificing her time. She isn't going to search until she gets bored or tired or doesn't get the results she's looking for. No, she's being persistent. She's searching until she accomplishes her purpose. You see, being one of Jesus' coins and belonging with his coins is costly work that demonstrates our love for Jesus and for each other. In this story, Jesus is highlighting the cost of belonging to him. And it's much more than just showing up at church. See, the first cost was paid by Jesus, who did more than just show up on earth, but he gave his life away in service and sacrifice. Jesus surrendered to the Father's plan, and he died in our place as a substitute. He went searching and paid a costly price for us, and that's how he acquired us and put us together with the other coins. The cost to us to remain with the other coins is paying close attention to the condition of our hearts and our desires. Now, I'm not saying that when you're present but far from God that you're eternally lost. 
Remember, you're still in the house. And Jesus is faithful to come looking for you. I'm only saying that being present physically and spiritually requires faith-filled effort on our end. See, following Jesus is a decision to love him in the way that he first loved us, generously and sacrificially. And loving one another in these same ways takes the same thing when we are vigilant about what gets our attention. We're keeping Jesus first. This is how we stay present in our love for him, even when the cares of this world come knocking. And in the same way, he, like the woman in the story, spent his time, energy, and money on us. We do the same thing. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Jesus spent his money on us? Yes, Jesus was a carpenter for at least 12 years, and he wasn't rolling around in a bougie four-horse chariot. He spent that money on his ministry, and a lot of other people pitched in too. Don't miss this. How we spend our resources is a demonstration of where our heart and our affections are. How we spend our money, where we let our mind wander, and what we tune in and out of allows us to determine whether we're present, but out of place, or present with Jesus physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And whether we're on the lookout for others who are present, but out of place as well. See, we overcome those cares of the world by leaning fully into Jesus. And we help others overcome them by inviting them to do the same with us. If you're here today, you're watching and you're feeling present, but out of place. I want to encourage you to honestly examine where your time, your energy, and your finances are being invested. Are you isolated and frustrated because of all that you can't do with your time, your energy, and your finances? Spend time with Jesus, asking him to show you what you can do with them. And that's when you'll begin to realize that being with Jesus is enough. See, when we're investing in Jesus, the way Jesus invests in us, it energizes and gives us joy and peace, even in our difficulties. Are you spending time with Jesus in prayer? Are you spending time with other believers? Are you making sacrifices of your finances to see ministry accomplished? Because that brings us hope and revival when we see God at work. See, we have to commit to follow Jesus by spending our costly resources to help find and revive lost coins. This isn't just something we ask others to do for us. It's something Jesus asks us to do personally. And it's one of the ways that we partner with him as he searches through the house on the hunt for lost coins. He revitalizes us so that we can join him in revitalizing others. It takes thinking about Jesus, meditating on Jesus, listening and learning from Jesus to feel found. And this opens our eyes to see others around us who are feeling lost. That is when we feel Jesus in our hearts. Tell us to reach out to ask people important questions and to demonstrate care for them. Jesus uses us to spot those out of place coins and bring them to him. Now look at what Jesus says about what happens when the coin is found. In verse nine, it says, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. 
Just like in the last story, when the coin is found, there's a celebration. The woman calls her friends together and they gather together for rejoicing because the coin that was so distant has been reunited with the group. Jesus says that this is a small picture of what happens in heaven when even one of us turns away from the anxiety, fears, and cares of this world and returns to God. When someone chooses to not just be physically present, but to be checked in to their relationship with him. I wonder if it's helpful for us to think about our spiritual life like these little tea lights. So some of us have a new and unlit wick. It's just waiting to catch fire and shine a light. But others of us, we were lit a while ago and we burned bright, but the wick has gone brittle and dark. And even though we're sitting with the rest of the tea lights, we're not burning. Now, when we are burning bright, it's our privilege to search, not just for the unlit tea lights, but to pour our lives into the revitalization of other people, people who need to be revitalized. And it happens a lot quicker when the fire has been burning in the past. That light that we get from the mistress of the house, we can use to rekindle the flames of others. And remember, it doesn't at all diminish any candle to light another candle. So today, maybe take some quiet time to consider. What can you do to stay watchful over your own heart, to keep that fire burning? See, we have to set aside personal time and energy in prayer and study to keep our lamp lit so we can demonstrate our love for Jesus and keep a sharp eye out for the people who need us. This means guarding our hearts and minds to keep Jesus our first priority in thought and action. And when we stay close to him spiritually, we feel present with him and we feel present with his people emotionally. So who do you know that belongs to us, but isn't with us? Think through your relationships. Is there someone you know who is struggling? Is there someone maybe you haven't seen in a while? Maybe even at church. Do you know how they're doing? Have you asked? Do they know that you care? Ask God to bring someone to your heart even today and then get immediate, intentional, and persistent on their behalf. And lastly, ask, how could you reach out to them with your time, energy, or finances. See, the most important thing we can do for someone who's struggling is to pray for them, to set aside time and ask God to bless and encourage them. In fact, letting someone know that you've prayed for them is one of the most encouraging things you can do for them, even if they don't believe. It communicates that you care and you're on the lookout. It costs only energy. Now, it doesn't cost you anything but time to make a call or send off a text to someone who might need a connection. They might just need a listening ear or someone to encourage them to spend time with Jesus today. You could even take it a step further and invite them to spend time with you. Even if it's over a cup of coffee and pastry, and that's money, but not much. Praying with them helps. See, we just don't know how people are doing on the inside. And unless we get intentional about searching them out, we won't find out. Who could you invite into your life to encourage? 
today, ask God to use you and take some time to be immediate, intentional, and persistent in your care for others. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that you would keep us burning brightly as we press into you and that you would use us as lights that can search throughout the house to revitalize and energize the spiritual life of someone who is flagging. God, we know that you are the one who gives us that first lamp, God, who lights it, stokes it, and keeps it burning. And we pray that you would help us to use that to reach out to others today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We love worshiping together. If it's great fit for you or you're comfortable, we'd love to see you at 8.30 or 10 a.m. at BCC on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to get connected more, we have options for that online and in person at beaverton.cc. We hope you guys have a blessed week.